0: Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Rich Allen. Four games left, four more weekends for someone to either raise their game or save themselves. But with the fifth game, who took the one small step this way, well, the right way this week, and who made one giant leap the wrong way? All that and more after the latest headlines. No. And Ren got things started with a furious Breton derby at the Stade de la Beaujois on Friday, which ended 1 all. Adrian Thomason put the host ahead, only for top scorer Emiliano Salah to see red just after the break, with Nicolas Palois putting through his own net to ensure a share of the spoils. Later that evening, Lyon continued their recent vein of strong form with a 5-2 win against Dijon. Naim Sleety's double for the host was cancelled out by five different scorers for Legone, including an own goal from Vongier, um, who saw captain Nabil Fakir at least start for the first time since February. On Saturday, Marseille continued their pursuit of a Champions League football as well by beating Lille 5-1, condemning the visitors to another defeat with the club not having won since late January. In the multiplex, Toulouse pulled off a huge 2-0 victory over Angers to make the lift gap to those below them in the relegation scrap, uh, to create at least a little gap between those and the relegation places as Amiens are now just a point away from guaranteed safety as they beat Strasbourg 3-1. Mets couldn't quite build on their win last weekend, only just a point against Kahn with a fantastic equaliser by the away side, while Gengham pulled off the upset of the weekend as they hammered 10-man Monaco in a 3-1 win. That's seen them the Monegasque slip their lead to second to just one point, with Lyon and Marseille breathing down their necks. On Sunday, Nice strengthened their chances of European football next season with a 1-0 win over rivals Montpellier. Saint-Étienne came from behind as a Robert Beric double, Saint-Trois nipped 2-1, and the Paris Saint-Germain, well, current champions at least, have eked out a 1-0 win over Bordeaux, thanks to a strike from Giovanni Lo Celso. And that's all for now. But for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with a bit of surprising news that there's now a renewed battle for that second place spot in league. uh, And the one that absolutely guarantees Champions League football because Monaco slipped up out of the weekend with both Lyon and Marseille gaining victories Lyon having their sixth in a row but we'll focus on the current second place side at the moment at least first Rich and that's Monaco who had a bit of a testing result the weekend before obviously with the 7-1 defeat to Paris Saint-Germain but at the same time going to Gengom which isn't always easy but at the same time they beat Gengom themselves 6-0 earlier this season this kind of came out of nowhere especially with Gengom looking like their season's pretty much over it doesn't look like they'll have quite enough momentum to maybe get a Europa League spot with all those other sides chasing fifth. But this, is, yeah, is a is, is a real blow for a Madagascar side that before that Paris Saint Germain game hadn't hadn't lost in 13 league games.
1: Yeah, I mean they're having a wobble at, at probably the most disastrous time that they could possibly um, have feared for. Um, you know, they 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 were rocks by that 7-1 defeat to PSG. And nobody nobody expected that. No matter how well PSG played. But in their previous games they they were hardly putting in you know stellar performances. you know they they got narrow win over over Nantes, narrow win over over Leal, drew away at Rennes. Um you know it's not it's not the Monaco that we've known sort of the last 18 months. It, it, it's a real blip at the wrong time. So after that seven one defeat, it was really important that they came out and put in a strong performance against Gangon just to show that this wasn't a, a ship that was on the verge of sinking. And, and sadly, they didn't. Um, you know, they, they were down to 10 men pretty early on. Um, Jemison sent off um, around the 20-minute mark, um, resulting in in the uh, Gangomp taking the lead with a Jimmy Brion penalty. And and they never seemed to recover from that. Um, I mean, to give Gangomp their credit, they played excellently. Um, you know, we, we, we know, as, as cliched as it is, how difficult it is to get play against 10 men, let alone a Monaco side, which by and large, are a, are a relatively well-organised unit. But Gangon really came out to play. They, you know, I think it's been a real joy to see Clement Grenier back playing. Um, Etienne Dido scored an absolute wonder goal. Um, I would heartily recommend checking that out. Uh, uh, catching a, a corner from Grenier on the volley and hammering a time. Spectacular goal. But, yeah, it's, it's a worry for Monaco now because they had second place pretty much sewn up. They've now gone on this little run of, of of iffy form, which has now started to convert into iffy form and losing games. Um, you know, the the game coming up at the at the weekend is is you know, on paper, it would have been an easy game at the start of the season at home to Amiens. But Amiens, you know, look like they've secured their league and status. They're a really organized team, they're very well um uh, very well organised at the back. They're going to cause Monaco problems. They like to counter. Um, this, you know, a win at the weekend now doesn't feel quite so certain. So it's it's a worry for Jardim and his side. You know, I think there's a couple of players in that team who've got one eye now on. Okay, well, let's reap benefits of playing well for a season or two seasons, and you know, we've got the, the the transfer window coming up, and I think there are one or two players who have got their eye on the exit door too soon. Um, I don't mind them perhaps for looking for a move away um, but you've got to make sure you're concentrating on the task in hand they're not and I fear it's going to cost them second place
0: yeah and there's a there's a few things really emitting from the last couple of games obviously the, the one of the big things as well as obviously is losing that comfortable lead it felt like they had in in second place but with the result against Paris Saint-Germain especially and then obviously another um, defeat to gang up although obviously not as heavily it's it sort of they had a, a giant lead goal scoring wise as well, but the seven goals they conceded last weekend is evaporated. That allowed Leon to really have a, a plus four goal for difference on them as well. So if, if they end up level on points that, that puts Leon right into the, into the driving seat of placing in second and with both teams also right next to them with, with, none of them really having a, let's say, a tough schedule. They they do have difficult games in terms of, of teams they have to play in terms of where they're still situated in the league. Next weekend, a lot of them face teams that are pretty much safe. But Lyon have Troyes, Monaco have Caen the weekend after. Um, Marseille have Nice who are still facing uh, European football. Um, you look to the weekend after that. And Monaco have Saint-Étienne who are in terrific form. Lyon have Strasbourg who, who are fighting for their lives still as well. And um, Monaco, have to face twire themselves they might already be down but at the same time they might need a win to to make sure that they're in the relegation playoff maybe at least so that's the thing they're facing now is that they a couple of weeks ago when we met we felt like Monaco were were comfortably in second when when leon and marseille had to sort of face each other and knock one or the other out really that's not really come to force and in the last couple of weeks defensively and that's really really one i want to highlight has been it's been dreadful that last weekend i think we all sort of mentioned that without Camille glick they they looked a much worse side with, with uh with him out of the team with Raji deputizing in the middle you know he's not as good of a player as he as he once was he he's more of a functional player but at the same time it, again it's it sh- the weekend when when Glick does come back in and, and I thought they were okay until Jemison had his moment where he ambles on the line where he maybe really doesn't really need to but at the same time they don't have a replacement they they, they think about bringing Raji on that they decide against it in the end there's nothing really solid wise that they can do and I, I think this is something that we I, I want to focus on the Brazilian as well that we mentioned uh, Last season, that we would that Jemison might be the weak link, and he, he proved next to Camo Glick that um, he was good enough for this level, but this at uh, uh, sort of a uh, even a Champions League level. But it feels like he's regressed a little bit this season. I, I think he he feels like he's done as much developing as he needs to. He's, he's a little bit more rash. He do, He's not positionally as aware as he has. Glick hasn't been able to wrangle him in as, as much as he has been in the, in the previous seasons. And, and I agree with you, Rich, that it feels like some of them are playing in second gear at the moment. And I don't know, even the team that, that he ended up putting, Jardim ended up putting out. I mean, he, he yanked Yuri Telemans off after 36 minutes to, for Kevin and Durham, and he didn't really do much. They, they, started Diacabe. They, again, he was pulled for Musa Silla that, that didn't really kind of make any sort of Im, kind of impact in the game. Um It just feels like they're sort of cantering to the line. And, and like you say, a lot of them are looking at the exit door. You, mm. you think of Fabinho, he's he's probably going to Paris Saint-Germain, in all honesty, if not another big European club. Thomas Lamar, again, um, a, a player we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, hasn't really hit the ground running this season when we expected a lot more big things from him he will still probably get his move uh, and obviously the other the other blow that they had before the start of the game of Radamel Falcao being out with already Jovetic and, and Kaita Balde on the sidelines they didn't really have a recognized striker as well which which certainly didn't do them any any favors at the same time but against a team like Gangomp who have been in good form and are a dangerous side when you look at the likes of or well, likes of Briand and, and uh, uh, Dido had that wonderful goal, didn't he? And uh, Marcus Toram had a really good game as well. They even had Clement Gremier back in form as well. Ludovic Blah had that great chance. We hit it straight at C, which could have made it four, really. And they, they were in complete control. I mean, Monaco's goal was completely against the run of play, it was their only shot on target. um it took 63 minutes to get even close to that. So, so it showed you how good Gangon was. It wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. It wasn't just a, a real off day for Monaco. It was a, it was a real strong day for Gengon. But it does alert the worries to you, um, Rich. And I, I wanted to think about looking towards next season, really, for them, that they are going to lose some of these big players. There's no doubt about it. And it, it, recycling is what Monaco do. But if they lose those players, if they also possibly maybe even lose Jardim as well, it's not going to be as an easy fix as it was, uh, say, a couple of seasons ago where maybe they, they had a couple of players ready. It looks like a lot of these other players that they've tested out this season, other than maybe the the strides you've seen in someone like Roddy Lopez, it doesn't look like half of this team is ready.
1: No, it doesn't. There's, there's definitely going to have to be um, some positive movement in the transfer market because, as you say, they're going to see a, an outgoing of a number of, of senior players um, I think for this season, uh, so, sorry, this summer, they're going to have to look at, at the defence. Um, they do have some, um, you know, exciting players. I think to come back from 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 their loan spells, you know, I'm thinking now might be the time that Paul Nardi finally gets his chance. He'll come back from from the sister club in Bruges, as will Jordi Gaspar, the fullback. Um, you've got Ait Benassa, who at, at times has looked really good for for Calm. So he's got. To, he's going to be coming back into the midfield. Um, Suárez Matei, I think, again has looked at times really strong uh, on his loan spell with with Bordeaux. And then there's Irving Cardona, who uh, at one point we were touting as as silly as this sounds. Is he the next one? You know, the next exciting young striker to come through the Monaco system. Um, after Mbappe, well, it's not quite been that way, but he's still certainly a talent. So there's a there's a lot of players to come back from from loan spells. Yes, they're going to see departures, but whoever is in charge, and I, I mean, we'll, we'll probably come on to one of the reasons why I don't think Jardine might be there come the start of next season. Um, is is it's the defence he's going to have to look at? You know, I think I think the the injury that that uh, Jibril Sidibe has, has picked up which may or may not cost him his World Cup spot, um, it may be enough to to um, keep him at the club for another season, whether you count that as a blessing or not, I don't know. But um, yeah, they're going to need to strengthen that defence. Um, they're going to have to make their mind up on what's going to happen with El Mami Toure, because last season we saw what a talent he was when he was deputising for for Sidibe, when either Sidibe was injured or was 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 used on the left, but I don't feel he's had the opp- he's not had the opportunity to progress. So when he does play, he looks, you know, he doesn't look in form. He looks a bit patchy, but we know he's a good player. So they're going to have to make their mind up what's going to happen with him. Um, it's going to be a very very interesting summer. There's a lot of very young exciting players in that Monaco team. You know, you think they have got. Jordi Mboula, you know, such an exciting talent when he was at you know, Barcelona's um, youth system. You know, he's he's obviously been utilised more in their reserve team. So he, he, he's he got to come through. They've got Pietro Pellegrini who they signed in the summer. He's got to come through. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's other players. There's other sort of fringe players who we, again, we know are really good players. I'm looking at people like Boshilia. You know, we know what a good player he is. He had a, a really nasty injury that kept him out for such a long time. He's at the point now where he wants to play or go. Um, and I think he'll be one that will be perhaps just waiting to see what happens with Lamar. I think when when or if Lamar goes in the summer, I think Boshilia is a player that can certainly be brought into that first team. Um, there were spells a couple of seasons ago where he came in and looked excellent and arguably looked better than Lamar at times. So, there's certainly some excitement there, but there's a lot of work I think that Monaco need to do, whether that's with Jardim or with a new coach. There's certainly big areas in that squad and it is the defence primarily that really need to be looked at and really need to be addressed.
0: Yeah, I think you make some great points there, Rich. That it's strange that we've not seen a little bit more of someone like Mboula, but especially Boschilia, because he, he was um, silently important in that uh, the title-winning campaign. He, he had some... Brilliant cameos, especially after Champions League games where they needed to give someone a rest like Lamar or, or, or occasionally Bernardo Silva, and he deputised really well in that sort of 4-4-2 formation. But I don't think he's he's quite got things right yet this this season, Jardima. And I also fear that for his sake, um thinking of his own career, that does he risk trying to do another experimental rebuilding season because if it goes incredibly well, say if he doesn't get a move and it goes say, Monaco finished second again and they have a OK Champions League campaign with recruitment going better again, then it only increases his stock. But if like it might be heading where you look at some of these players might not quite be the quality that we've seen in the past or they might not be at least in their case uh, developing a little bit slower, which is absolutely fair enough. You know, uh, young players grow, always grow at different rates, but uh, having that team that maybe finishes fourth, maybe, maybe third, even it it doesn't quite give the glamor that he might've had in that, that, that all the sort of a sudden that league and success a couple of years ago, the Champions League success is a is a year longer. It doesn't feel as fresh in the memory. Then it it may be starting to slip if he's if he's actually going to get one of those top European jobs, which um, he should really be in the the frame well, for. But go ahead.
1: Well, as I say, we've we've talked about Monaco and this sort of cyclical nature of their their projects, in so much as it's you know focus on having a couple of good steady years, one excellent season, and one season where they really go for it. And then rebuild, um, and and we. I feel like, you know, once it seems like Fabinho and Lamar will go in the summer, it feels as though that's there's a bit of a, a feel of an end of an era about that particular cycle, you know. If those two go, they'll have lost those two. They'll have lost Mendy the previous summer, Bakayoko the previous summer. They've lost Yeman. They've lost Bernardo Silva. Um, you know, that's six or seven world class players really that have that have gone out the door. And you just um, obviously Mbappe has silly me forgot Mbappe. Um but you just feel that with 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 Fabinho, yes, okay, there's one or two players that have still been, you know, Super Sich and and um, and Falcao and, and Moutinho will be there. But you just feel that it's come to the end of that particular era, that particular cycle. So it really is, I think, a case of, of if Jardim is going to go, it's this summer or at the end of the next cycle. Now the next cycle could be another four years away. Does Jardine want to be hanging around for that? Because you know Monaco won't want to be le- losing him in the middle of a cycle. You know if he's, if he's there, he's there for the duration of that period, because it's him, his players he'll be bringing in. He, his eye that will be cast on these young players brought in to eventually get to that fourth year where they hit the you know really do push PSG. Um, they're not going to be wanting to disrupt things at, at coach level. So I feel that for, for Monaco's sake almost, but certainly for Jardine's sake, if he's going to go, this is the summer to go, unless he is going to be hanging around to oversee this next cycle of of whatever happens with Monaco. So I personally think this could be the summer that he goes. Um I think he's 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 thoroughly enjoyed himself at Monaco. But yeah, I, I fear that this fear for Monaco because they do then need to make sure they get their recruitment right for the new coach but yeah Jardim I think could be on his way as well I think along with a couple of other players
0: yeah, it certainly feels like that. But credit to Gang Up for an excellent result as well. They had an awful march, really, didn't they? They, they lost three games, all the games they played in that, that month, but have bounced back with three wins and a draw this month. And none bigger than that when they got the weekend players getting fit. They look like the side that Kumbuare is, uh, has built over the last couple of seasons, really. They're entertaining, attacking, um, have a solid base as well, both in midfield and defence. They look really strong, they, they were dangerous. Players maybe are starting to grow into their roles a little bit more. I'm thinking like Ludovic Blair who is still a very young player, and and uh, obviously Grenier coming off injuries that he's had, and, and, and um, Jimmy Brion being really sort of the glue that holds them all together as, as their captain as well. That It's a terrific result for them, and they could still bother that second place because they have got Marseille coming up in a couple of weeks' time as well. So they might be able to um, repay the favour, at least for Monaco, after beating them. But um, on to the two sides below Monaco at the moment really and they're both only a point off and we'll start with Lyon who got another fantastic result of the weekend because it's not easy to go away to Dijon this season it hasn't been for anyone in the league really they're one of the best uh, home teams in Liga but a 5-2 victory and um, gives them their fifth win in a row it's been a terrific run for them after we really ruled them out a couple of months ago again it feels like the, the nature of Liga this season that we seem to write off a team from from a certain thing and they go ahead and uh, prove us wrong again and again and again but uh, a player that's done that in the last couple of weeks as well for Leon Richard is Memphis Depay, scored six goals now in his last five games. He's played a real integral part of what has been um, a real bounce back for the team, especially with Nabil Fikir out and getting him back at the weekend starting um, was a big boon as well for themselves. And they're maybe just coming into form just at the right time without European football like Marseille have had, without the pressure of, of feeling like they need to, to get a second like Monaco does. It, maybe Lyon have all of a sudden, out of nowhere, got a real chance at it.
1: I think so. I think if I was putting money on who finishes second, I probably would put money on Leon. I think they are playing, and I include PSG in this, I think they're playing the best football in the league at the moment. Um, you know, you look at that, you know, really, what could have been a season-breaking, season-ruining um, defeat at home to CSK Moscow in the the Europa League, um, going down 3-2 at home. That, I mean, that could have been it. That could have been season over, they, they had fourth wrapped up. You know, it was, didn't really feel like that. any teams below them were going to catch up. But you just felt that they would have just thrown in the towel then and just accepted fourth. But they haven't. They bounced back from that. They scored three away. At, well, they've they won all their games since. So they scored three away at Marseille. They've then not conceded in three consecutive games, including 5-0 away at Metz, 3-0 at home to Amiens, and then put another five then past Dijon at the weekend. Um they're just playing some really exciting football. And I, I, I have to give credit. I'll come on to, to Depay because he is playing brilliantly, but you have to give credit to Genesio. Um I think he's perhaps implemented it a little too late, but he's recognised that there needs to be an alternative plan for how um how how Leon play their games, how they how they line up to begin with, and he's moved to a four four two in a sort of diamond formation and it's working. It's working and they're playing really, really well. They've moved away from their sort of 4-3-3, which I think was just proving too predictable. And I think teams are just finding it too easy to defend against that and then hit Leon on the counter. I mean, the the defeat at home to Rem was the prime example of that a few months ago. But they haven't. You know, Genesio has seen that now. As I say, I think he's done it a little too late, but credit to him. He's changed that formation. They're playing this 4-4-2. And it's it's potentially rescued their season because I do I do believe although they have probably of the three teams the hardest um, run in um, they play I mean they play two teams right near the bottom one could be potentially relegated by the time they play them but they got non uh, Nantes at home and finish with with Nice at home you know they're tricky games and both those teams could still be when the time of playing could still be in um, contention for that Europa League spot so they're not easy games but. I just can't see, I can't see Leon dropping points. They're playing really, really good football. And yeah, and, and Depay, I mean, he's, something's happened. Now, There's the cynic in me thinks, is he playing because he thinks, oh, if I play well now, I could get a summer move? Is he playing well because he thinks I need to prove some doubters wrong? Um, or has he finally just found a setup that works for him? I I, I, I hope and, and pray that it's the latter because he's shown some real maturity, He's shown that he can play as part of a team. So I think selfishness has been a bit of a downfall of his. But he's playing as part of a team. He's got a good partnership going with Bertrand Traore. Um, he's looked like he he does want to play with, with Mariana Diaz when Diaz has come on. Um, so they've got him almost back to his best, it seems. They've now got Fekir back from injury. And there's just a lot of good feeling, I think, with with the There's A lot of positivity within the camp. Um, and it does feel that you look at the three teams in contention for second place. At the minute, it feels like it's, it's basically Memphis and, and Fekir. You know, Memphis is the form player. Fekir's just returned from injury. You've got Marseille. Payet is the form player. Tovan's just come back from a little bit of a knock. And then it's Monaco, where you think, well, apart from Ronnie Lopez, there's no real standout player at the minute. So I just think with the form that, that Lyon are now going into their final four games... They they are the team. They are the team that has second place. I think within the grass because I can't see them dropping points. I can see Monaco dropping points, and as soon as Monaco, you know, drop even one point, that that lets Leon in. You know, the goal difference. You know, this this run of form with all these goals going in is is proving. It's not just showing how how well they're playing, but it's it could prove to be incredibly crucial coming in. It's only four goals in it. It could prove re- a real, real difference maker come the end of the season. So, I'm really impressed with the way that Leon are playing. Really impressed with the attitude and 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 performances that, that uh, Memphis is putting in. And you've got to give credit to Ginesio. Mm-hmm.
0: And then you're for, say you add, you add in the fact that Nabil Fekir is back fit and and even scoring at the weekend as well. Where um, now he's starting games as well, which is a real, real plus to get right near the end of the season. What a boost to have your captain and and the the well, really the player of the first half of the season in Liga in in, in Fakir joining the ranks as well, just as the, the forwards have, have finally feel like they're not being as selfish as they have been seemingly all season. Everyone wants to score goals, but they also have to understand that sometimes laying them on is just as important, really, and it finally feels like, especially in this game, where there, there was a lot of that interplay and the, the fresh movement and the and the bits that we saw very much at the start of the season, it worked so much better. They looked so much more comfortable with it and, and getting everyone on the score sheet as well, obviously, um, Diaz didn't, and, and uh, it was a, it was an own goal that that capitalised the five five goals. But Corne and, and Traore were also on the score sheet. Fantastic news for them as they start to move forward and, and have been in sensational form. And it, like you say, Rich, it's difficult not to to back them if the momentum continues, especially I because. Think, go ahead.
1: I was going to say one one other factor that we we continue I think to to underestimate is they've got a settled eleven now, pretty much. It feels like apart from. Perhaps Bertrand Traoré and, and Mariana Diaz just swapping in and out. It feels as though that there is a there is a settled a settled eleven that Ginesio has landed on. He knows who is, his preferred not necessarily not necessarily I don't think his best, but he knows what his preferred back four is. He's got that midfield diamond now working well with our Tousart and uh, Ndombélé playing behind the returning Fekir, and then he's got Memphis plus a another up front. And I think just having that settled eleven. Which I think has cost Marseille a little bit with all the injuries that they've had and tinkers that they've had to do here, right? And with the with the the starting eleven, same with Monaco. I think as we saw with Monaco last season and how consistent their eleven was, the fact that Leon now, for a few games running, have been able to play a pretty consistent eleven. Bar, you know, one or two little changes uh, is 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 another factor I think that gives them the edge.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I was just going to mention that it feels like um, they maybe have, like you say, the edge because of not having the, the games in Europe, because the, the team that's also in great form is, is Marseille, who had a great result of the weekend, 5-1 win against yes, a, a struggling Leo side, but you can only beat the teams that are in front of you, especially after they were sort of a little bit of a, stu- didn't they sort of the end, end of March where that, where we thought that that result against Lyon might just push them away with them uh, in third and pulling Leon back into it, especially again, than the draw against Montpellier did. They, they had to f- obviously come from behind twice against Twa to win, but this was a much better performance, much more in the ilk of that sort of uh, RB Leipzig result that got them into the, the semi-finals of the, the Europa League that will obviously uh, continue on Thursday and they look forward to that. A massive chance for them to, to possibly get into a European final, which would be just as big, but at the same time, much like Leon, they finally have players turning up. I don't, I don't want to put it as insultingly like as that, but you you look at the likes of Dimitri Payet at The weekend he, again, he put in a nice, solid performance. Kostas Mitroglou starting, got a double, and is is scoring more goals recently. Now he he's, he's I think he's got four in his last four as well, which. Was something they were really missing um, at the start of the season. We were, we constantly mentioned that they didn't really have um, a goal scorer or something like that, and they didn't have a. They had to rely so much on on Florian Tovan. But finally, all the players are starting to step up to the mark, and pretty much just at the exact time they would need them to. Rich, when they've got battling on two fronts, the potential at a trophy, a potential at Champions League football qualifying through the league, it, they've got an excellent chance at that. And having two players like with Truglo and pay with great experience as well at those kind of levels. It's a real plus for them, isn't it?
1: It absolutely is. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record. It, it has been a season, I think, where PSG have won very ugly on a number of occasions. Um, I don't think it was the case at the weekend. I think they were aided by a Lille side, who I think probably had written this game off and we're probably going to be putting all their efforts into the uh, the coming weekends fixture which is absolutely massive um but marseille still put in the performance and as you say we we've now i think over the last i don't know six weeks bordering two months we, we, we've we have we have started to see i think on a more regular basis the Dimitri payet that we know the Dimitri payet that was here before he moved just before he moved to west ham the Dimitri payet that was you know, the, the, the putting in the performances he did in his first season with West Ham um, and the Dimitri, Dimitri Payet that Marseille have really missed through the majority of this season. Um, I won't go into the reasons why I think he's, he's certainly playing well, but the main thing for Marseille is he is playing well. and He's not the anonymous figure he has been for the, for for a significant number of matches this season. He's playing well. He's influential. Um you know, some of the passing that he's putting in is great. He's getting on the score sheet. It's the pirate that we we know that he can play at. It's the level he can play at. We know that. So it's incredibly important that they f- they found the recipe to get that from him. As you say, Matroglou is now scoring. They seem to have worked the recipe out for how to get him scoring. And again, I think it's been quite quite canny um, uh, managing from from Rudy Garcia. I think because Germain was was his preferred striker for. The last few weeks, I think, probably months, but was really struggling to find the net. Troglu then in the last few weeks, was starting to be introduced off the bench, and would come on and would prove to be a really good impact sub. But he resisted, I think, the urges to put him straight back into the start eleven. He kept him as that impact sub, and that you started to find that gradually, he would come on, impact goal, come on, impact goal, and all of a sudden that you know that builds up your confidence. And you're then starting to be eager to play. You want to prove, you know what, I can do this. I can do this from the start. Lo and behold, he's introduced from the start and he gets on the score sheet and he gets a double. And, you know, he's starting to look like the player that we feared we probably would never see in Liga, considering how how poor he was when he first joined Marseille. And then they've got they've got Tovan. So Tovan, has, has, uh, not as recently as Fekir, but has returned from a, a, a few weeks out with an injury. He's back. He's found his feet almost instantly scoring. You've got a double at the weekend. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all good for Marseille. You know, they've got, you know, they had that excellent, excellent uh, Europa League win over, over La Leipzig. They've got the, uh, the semi-final then at home this weekend. It's going to be a, a sellout at the Velodrome. It could have been a sellout about three or four, maybe five or six times with the number of people that applied for tickets. But it's going to be a great atmosphere. That's the key, I think, for Marseille. They've got that support now on their side for two too many seasons now that marseille crowd has been so quick to turn on that team and in you know in turn that's not going to help the players if you've got players who are struggling to perform having 30 40 50 60,000 people on your back for you know 85 minutes of a game is not going to be getting the best out of you they haven't they're now getting you know they're getting full crowds they're getting a brilliant atmosphere um, at the velodrome and you know, lo and behold, the performances now reflect that. So I think it, there's a danger, I think, that they could, and I would argue it's the right thing to do, is focus on, well, they've now got to the semi-finals. They've, on paper, got the easier of the semi-finals that they could have wished for. Why not go for go all in? Go all in for Europa League success because get past like, uh, Red Bull Salzburg, which is very plausible. You've then got a one-off game against Arsenal or um, Athletic that's a, do, that's a doable win. That's a, it's a game that they could easily win. So I think they should be going all in on that. Um, they have a a relatively easy run-in. I think at home to Nice is probably as difficult as it gets in their final four games. Um, but I think, you know, my, my message I think to, to, to Marseille would be go for this Europa League glory. Think of what it can be, you know, especially with the final being at Lyon. Think of the bragging rights that they would have think of what the what it would do to that team. Gives them Champions League football next season, guaranteed. And all of a sudden, you know, if they can attract in that, that higher quality of play. you know, all of a sudden they are a Europa League winner. They're Champions League on a plate next season. Top four finish at least in League 1. All of a sudden, this champions project, as we you know, we, we like to jest about, but all of a sudden, that can really start to gain some traction. So I think it's really it's it's Potentially the start of some really exciting times for Marseille, but I think it's it's so crucial, I think, that they really go for this Europa League success.
0: Yeah, because you, you don't remember the teams that finish second, you remember the teams that, that win trophies. I'm sure players will be very much looking to get a medal on their mantelpiece rather than a um, congratulations for turning up kind of trophy for for. Manage to get Champions League football, but regardless of if if they do finish in the Champions League places or if they do win the Europa League, Champions League football will be a massive boost for this club. I mean. We keep forgetting that the Champions Project, they obviously spent quite a bit of money bringing a lot of these players in, like Payet. I know that they didn't spend extraordinary amounts, but the, the attraction of the club, you know, the, the best supported club in France, a magnificent stadium in a great city, um, a great history of that club as well as a European... Uh, juggernaut really in times during the during, sort the 80s times as well but that's a, that's a fantastic club built on the right sort of foundations with a little bit of money backing with Champions League football guaranteed for group stages as well if they can get that what a massive boost that would be mm. what players they could possibly attract and from there I know I don't want to get Marseille fans too excited they may be able to start to think about maybe if they can buy some of the players, maybe if they can have some of the infrastructure, attract the right kind of players to the club, having the right manager at the helm as well, maybe they can do something in Europe, maybe they can maybe even push Paris Saint-Germain should they have another off-season or something like that or, or at least um, have a better seat at the table in French football, you know, at the moment we, we sort of have a big disparity between Paris Saint-Germain and the rest of them but maybe this sort of second tier of Teams of Monaco, Marseille, Lyon can use this season and possible Champions League football um, attractions and, and money to uh, to build some some, some foundation for, for the next couple of seasons. But well, on... I mean,
1: so just for that League Ligue 1 needs a strong Marseille team. It really does. And as you say, that what what can be offered with Marseille is almost a complete counter to what can be offered um, further north in in the capital you know, to really reignite the, the basis of what that rivalry was all about was the sort of slightly upmarket, upper classes of, of PSG against the sort of hardworking, working class. Um, you know, there was a lot of, lot of um, you know, sort of an immigrant support for that, you know, for Marseille. And that's what, you know, the romanticism of what Marseille were all about. You know, you look at that Marseille team of the late 80s, early 90s, that's what they should be selling to these players and you know combine that then with you know in theory a Europa League success with Champions League football you know it becomes a really compelling offer for, for any player that wants to look at, at, at going somewhere and and you know you, you try and find me a player that wouldn't want to play in the atmosphere we saw in the velodrome in that that RB Leipzig game I don't think you'll have seen a better atmosphere than that game. You know, that was, that was a proper, proper cauldron. And I think if Marseille can keep that going, it, 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 bigger needs Marseille to be strong. It really does. And the foundations are now there. They now need to make sure that everybody is buying in and they have the right people selling the right image of the club because sell that right. And yeah, you could be bringing in some really world-class players that really could transform Marseille's fortunes for the better
0: which would be great for you, like you say, not just the club, but for, for Ligue 1 as a whole as well. But on to matters at the bottom of the table because they keep week in and week out really getting more and more interesting. And the real seismic movement, you might say, this weekend was Toulouse's victory, a uh, 2-0 win over Angers. And it also means that, well, obviously, they, they also play their rescheduled game tomorrow as well against Colm, which was called off back uh, uh, about what week, just over a week ago, for the... Uh, for the uh, rain down there in, in Colwell. It's, it's a massive opportunity now for them, Rich, to separate themselves between those and the bottom three really, because now there's a four-point gap opened up, a game in hand, an excellent chance for them to be on 36 points. And at this stage of the season, really, with the, the games left for the teams below them, with the confidence level a lot of them are showing, that that kind of gap to 36 points, even to 34. So, say to lose, um, even just only get a point against Com, it, it, it's, it's starting to feel like that five point gap seems like a chasm rather than a, mm-hmm. than a little hill for these teams now to go over. It because you look at 12 but recent weeks they've gone ahead twice in big games against Marseille and, and Saint Etienne, but ended up losing. Lille have had some heavy defeats, really, Mets. Unfortunately, the weekend got a great goal from Cole to, to, for them to nick a point. But it's starting to feel maybe that those with that Toulouse result that those three are, are fighting for who can see can get a relegation playoff and, and try their luck there.
1: Yeah, there was a sort of feel of, of penultimate nail in the coffin, shall we say, um, about about that that Toulouse win. I mean, it was huge for them. They'd gone um, probably what, a couple of months without a win. Um, so it was really, really important that they won that game. It now means that they can go into that Khan game thinking, you know what, if if you know, <laughs> if Khan and Toulouse think carefully, they could play out a draw and they both probably would guarantee their their survival. But it just allows Toulouse to think, well, actually, you know what, we don't have to necessarily go into this game. go into this game thinking absolutely, you know, it's it's do or die in terms of taking three points. I think a point Probably would be enough because I, I, I mean, I could make an argument that I think a four-point gap is big enough um, at this moment in time. I think Twa have a a particularly nasty run in um, Lille or Metz. Uh, you know, one of those teams are going to be losing points at the weekend. Um, if not, both will be dropping points. So I think it, it was it was an absolutely massive, massive win for Toulouse. I think it would have been very easy considering how. How poorly I think they've played because I, I, I do think they've played really poorly. Um, it would have been I think very easy with it with an side who at that point in time weren't a hundred percent sure of their own survival. And I think they've, they've, they've got enough now, but weren't you know? I, I, I don't feel that they were a hundred percent, and obviously they didn't pick up any points. So I just feel that the with with no other teams really picking up except for Toulouse. I think it would have been easy, I think, for, for, for Toulouse to have rolled over again. But they didn't. They came out strong. They put in a, a solid performance. I think Angers put up too much of a fight. Um, but it was it was a, a really, really big three points. It's been a, a very difficult season. What's felt like, again, for Toulouse, you just feel that, again, they're, they're another team that are... There's one or two that are sort of down that bottom end of the table. You just feel that it doesn't. it's not going to take a lot. For things to change at Toulouse to all of a sudden mean that they are looking like Montpellier. They are they are battling for sort of that that lower end of the top half of the table. It, it, I don't think it would take a, a great deal of change there because there are some really good players there. I think what the problem is for Toulouse now is they've had too many seasons fighting relegation that those top players, and I'm I'm looking at the likes of Isidiop, I'm looking at the likes of Alban Lafon. Um, there's one or two other really you know talented young players. I think this is probably the season where they will go. and that then is the problem for Toulouse um, because you know it's not the most attractive club to bring in quality players. Um, they've got a pretty good youth system. They have brought through a lot of good young players, but I think they've done enough this season to survive. I think the fear comes I think next season um, if or when, they lose some of those key, key players. I mean, how many points lefont and Diop alone have probably saved Toulouse this season? I dread to think because it's probably a ridiculous amount. But I fear that those, those sort of few and far between talented, real talented players that Toulouse have will look to move on in the summer. Then next season, you know, I fear that they, they can't keep avoiding the drop. At some point... Unless there's drastic change at some point, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna succumb to it. And I just fear that if things happen as I predict that they're gonna happen this summer, that next season is the season that'll happen.
0: Yeah, and this is the difficulty for teams in and around there is is how do you replace such big players like Lafont and, and Diop if they do go, yes, you get the money in, but do you buy an entire squad with that kind of cash do you spend it on two or three players that would be really big risks for for clubs without that kind of financial backing to to reinvest it elsewhere if they don't work out which would definitely sink you so it's, it's a strange balancing act that these these kind of teams have to try and meld between because like you say they, they have a lot of areas they still need to fix even if they were to stay really and if they are to stay at the same time they haven't got the funds really to to replenish them into the squad to improve them, really, they they're gonna have to do some really canny movements, really, much like it, much like a Montpellier, as you as you pointed out. It's Mont- to-
1: Montpellier and Gangon are the models to be to be yeah. to be following for 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 teams like Toulouse. I think Toulouse can ultimately probably aim a bit higher. I think what they have to offer there, um, I think they do have a really strong youth system there. Um, uh, you know, they have they have you know through their ranks, you know. In recent times, obviously they you know they help Gignac on his way to to um to Marseille. They've had talented players, they produce talented players, but they just need one or two things to change. Unfortunately, they're quite key things, but just one or two things to change, and that, that can't because it wasn't that long ago that, that Toulouse really were challenging for you know a sort of sixth or seventh finish. So there's no reason why that can't happen again. But there's going to have to be a couple of really important changes that go on at that club. And I just feel that I just don't, I feel they're not going to happen.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing is it? you can, you can follow those models, but it's at the same time implementing it correctly. Cause it, it we always have to remember that especially a team like to lose it, it is a rugby town. And that does in a way, although the talent they bring in and bits like that, it does hold them back financially because they, they don't, the gates that they would usually do unless in Monaco or a Paris Saint-Germain or a Marseille are in town. Um, and it, that's where they at the end that maybe possibly hold them back from trying to um, get that voice for support, getting that extra little bit of cash and spending it uh, wisely, but at the same time, they they do look like, if they do get a result um, in midweek, that they'll pretty much be safe, really, especially with a win and it feels like Colm may be a little bit too far away it's maybe only Strasbourg, if if crazy things happened at the bottom, uh, might be pulled into it, but looking at the three sides that are in that relegation fight all fighting for that third spot, so they get into a playoff, really, and there's a enormous game this week coming up really rich and that's between leal and mets i mean leal are in absolutely dire straits at the moment i imagine them the on the intro that they've not won since that winning at Strasbourg back in uh, on the 28th of january and since then it's been uh, defeat after defeat there's a couple of draws in there but nothing really to really rouse them out of their slumber and at the same time mets know that that game is absolutely do or die for them now they got that draw at the weekend which did help it would have been great for them to get a win because they would have only been a point behind Leal instead which made this game absolutely massive but not the be-all or end-all at least for Mets given the results that had gone their way but now it does feel like it's do or die and with that kind of pressure with Lille still having obviously um, the suspension of their stadium and bits like that they're they still uh, Struggling for form, they've they've been okay in some games. They they've not really didn't really put well, too much of a fight in the weekend. But there's it, also reports with their with their with their players going for for nights out before games and and not listening to to instructions etc etc. It's 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 a worrying time for them, especially when they're playing a team that could leap from them. And really, if or the results go their way, Paul Leal into a real really troubling situation.
1: Yeah, you feel as though it's the game that, if both teams draw, they're down. If one team wins, the other one's down. It, it it's it's basically a draw is those matches where a draw is absolutely no good to either of them. You know, it really isn't. They've, there has to be a winner in this game. If if either of these teams are to stay up, one of them has to win. Um, so it it, it is a massive massive game. Um, I think those disciplinary issues at Lille just compound what has been an absolutely—it's almost felt like it's redefined what a disastrous season actually is. Um, from where we started with with Lille, with a you know with a three 0 win over over Nantes, I think in the very first game, Bielsa in charge, these exciting young players, and we're now talking about a a game that they simply have to win at home to Mets to stand even the faintest of chances of staying up. It's absolutely appalling that it's got to that situation. And the fact then that you've got players, and senior players as well, going out, drinking, basically just, just, it's not the image you need to be giving out. You've got the the most important match of the season coming up at the weekend. I get that you've had a tough season. I get that you're going to need some downtime, but... You've got to be more, you know, you've got to be a bit more switched on about how you do that, and the impression that you give. It was just ridiculous. So it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the team because it's it's one of two ways, isn't it? And, and it's it's an obvious thing to say, but they either they either lose, and you know it, it's a case of those players have really cost them, and the ill discipline going out when they shouldn't be going out it's just compounded uh, you know the, the misery further or they use that to think well actually you know what people are now questioning us questioning our beliefs questioning our desire to fight for this team and they go out and they put in the performance of the season and they get the 3 points um i was speaking to 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 jazz actually earlier and he, he was a mets fan he was like this is the last thing i wanted to come out before this game, because it's really going to fire up the Lille players because they're they're facing now all this criticism. Um because I I fear it's going to go that way. I mean, Mets are the form team of the two, but I just feel that Lille, I don't think that I don't think either of these teams are going to survive now, but I just feel that Lille will be able to drag that that belief of surviving just that little bit longer. So it's a massive game, but I'm predicting a real narrow Lille win there.
0: That's the funny thing about this this reveal, really, for, for Lille. It, it, it feels like in any other season it would motivate them, but at the same time, there, there seems to be so many different scenarios that should be encapsulating them and bringing them closer and more together, and it never really has quite clicked this season. In fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, it forces them back into their shell a little bit again we speak about the lack of leadership they've had this season and it feels like in fact that kind of thing to me might still affect them to the 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 point where they they sort of freeze on the pitch thinking well what why really should we we continue to bother if we're just going to get criticism for, for for what many young players would say is maybe just living their lives a little bit but um it's a tough one for them and, and thinking of 12 very quickly as well, just to, just to mention that they have a big game as well against Combe because their last three games are Lyon, Montpellier and Monaco and that is a treacherous uh, one for them. Uh, we've mentioned it a few times already that they have a an awful end to the season and it's a shame that they've maybe not picked up anything against Marseille and Santetti I and mean, maybe they deserved a little bit of something but um, that's a real... Uh, um, a gauntlet to go through at the end of the season to try and uh, force yourself to stay up i i fear that all three of them have too many um, difficult games they're either out of form or, or just too far away from teams below it is probably going to be between those three and, and who fights for for playing a league aside for for a, a two-game knockout um later on back in the uh, back end of may um on to our final topic this weekend, well, this week, sorry, and, and that's uh, what to do with French football rather than League 1, and that's um, one of the biggest managers in the history of French football, and that's Arsene Wenger, who has announced his departure from Arsenal back on Friday, that he'll leave the club after 22 years and charge three Premier League titles at eight FA Cups more than any other manager in English football he really very really revolutionised English football as well he was terrific in France obviously beforehand with, with Monaco winning the league with them and, and brought a couple of their players uh, over to England as well and transformed them but uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts Rich as well on, on what has been a, a terrific career and really also looking ahead because he's not retiring from this as well there has been rumors that um psg might get him involved as some kind of president for the club because of his contacts because of his methodology of football and maybe implementing a, a finally a, a paris entreman way so to speak and there's a couple of clubs across europe that have been discussing possibilities of that not just as a, a potential managerial post so both his impact as a, as a french manager in english football but also what could
1: lie ahead for him as well you you just i don't think you can really summarise just how big of an impact he had, he really had i think nowadays a lot of people have just taken that for granted but i think you rewind the clock back 22 years back to back to 1996 and you look at the state of of football then and we were still in the days of of you know the drinking culture in football the sort of bad boy image of footballers um, you know, managers were sort of these chiselled old, you know, been there, done that kind of kind of coaches who would, you know, think that the best way to get through to a player would be to unload, you know, forty expletives in a twenty-word sentence or something like that. And then Wenger came in with this completely new way of 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 coaching a team, of treating players, of of just being a being a human being, you know, a, a real human side to a manager and his relationship with his players and and really caring for them nurturing for them look after them sort of guide them in their their life almost away from the pitch just as much as on the pitch um you know the the sort of habits that he introduced the training methods the diet the attitude you know it's all that now that exists to this day that we just take for granted and and you just think well that's just part and parcel of every coach's mantra on how they'll do things but it started really with Arsene Wenger all those, years, all those years back in 1996 because at the time he arrived and he was this, you know, to perhaps the slightly more ignorant, you know, media and even some some players and coaches. He was just this guy that came over from Japan and what does he know about football? Well, proved to be that actually he knew an awful lot about football. And I think, I mean, it's sad how it's perhaps ended. I think we'd have all asked, you know, even, even the most Diehard of of Tottenham fans, perhaps not the most diehard of Tottenham fans, but certainly I think a lot of football fans, not just Arsenal fans, would have wanted to see Wenger go out on a much higher platform than perhaps he is. Um, you know, it's not been a particularly enjoyable ten years or so. The the sort of sort of the latter sort of half of his tenure there, it's not had anywhere near as much success as the first half of it. And it's been slightly sad to see, but he, he, sadly he just became the victim of his own success because over the years, more and more coaches adopted how, how he coached and players that he coached moved into management and they took on what they learned from Wenger and basically they got to the level of him. And as we've then seen with the likes of, you, you know, you've got your Guardiolas, they've, they've got to that level of, of how Arsene Wenger players, and then have just developed it a little bit further. Sadly for Arsene Wenger, just purely, I think, based on the length of time he's been in the game, he's he's probably reached as far as he could go with that style with Arsenal. And it, it, it now is definitely the right time to have gone. I think perhaps even a couple of years ago, he could have gone. Um, but I'm, I'm glad he's going. I'm glad we can finally get an end to all this Wenger out nonsense, these pathetic banners and planes and all that nonsense, because this is a man who, without him in the premiership, Half these teams, half these players, half these fans wouldn't have seen the levels of success that that we have seen over the last few years. Because I don't think any other coach, certainly in the Premier League era, has done as much, or anywhere near as much, to to invoke as much positive change in and around football. And it's the it's it's the it's the away from football as well. And do check out um, it's Henry Winter put a a thread on on Twitter of some various anecdotes about Arsene Wenger away from football and the charity work he does and the compassionate human side that he has. And he just genuinely seems like a really nice guy who has really not deserved the level of abuse that he's got over these last few years from, uh, you know, I speak to a lot of, of genuine Arsenal fans and and they've got some real constructive ways to criticise Wenger and that's fine, but you don't go out and you're slating him, you know... <laughs> I don't want to say it, but it's almost Arsenal would be nowhere where they are, you know, nowhere near the level of expectation that fans have now were it not for Wenger. And I think a few fans of Arsenal perhaps just lost sight of that. So it's going to be really sad to see him go because we're not going to see, especially in the Premier League, we're not going to see another manager doing anywhere near the level of stint that Wenger has done with Arsenal. Um, we've seen once the, annou- once the announcement came out just how many players, past, present, pundits, people away from football, just the level of praise for Wenger and what he has done for, for, for all walks of life around that club. I, I I genuinely, I've said, I think I've said before, I I didn't see that with, with when Ferguson went, I genuinely didn't. I don't feel as though his impact was, was anywhere near the levels of of, of Wenger's. I get his impact at, at Manchester United. Yes. But you see the struggles that they've had post Ferguson. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens post Wenger at Arsenal, but he's a, he's a, a legendary manager. I don't think we're going to see certainly anyone like him for quite some time. I think the only one that can potentially lay claim to being you know Arsene Wenger Mark two is perhaps is a is perhaps a Guardiola who has had a you know who has had in his early early managerial career anyway a you know, pretty significant impact on the way football is played and training methods and all this that and the other, but. He certainly uh, once in a lifetime is Wenger.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I like to pick it up from from two angles that I always think about when I think about Arsene Wenger. And as a Manchester United fan, you wouldn't be surprised that it, it, initially, it's a as a rival, um, he always had, uh, especially in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, had had excellent teams that had that had vigor, that had style, that had flair, that that always created danger and always had. Uh, Terrific battles with with, with my favourite team, my favourite manager, obviously. Um, but he always brought that excellence to them. They they had, they always gave you a good game. They always had a had a strong mentality, and, and then the sort of shift as well from Arsene Wenger to, that a lot of people saw. Sort of after that invincible season, he'd sort of people kind of forget they've achieved perfection in a way really and to go from there is difficult and what he wanted to do was build almost an arsenal again i don't really like saying the the arsenal way or or any team's way really but a a style of football a a possession-based game you know people used to moan that arsenal tried to walk the ball in but they, they wanted to play attractive football and they did but the the thing i loved about that team, looking from afar, and I say that with, with quotation marks in the air, given that my allegiance is obviously. But the fact that he wanted to bring young players to the club, young English players as well, um, especially that that seems to get lost on a few people. That he did try so much to do what we really love about French football of of, of giving young players a chance. What we love about all football really and we don't get it anymore of, of giving those players a chance through the academy buying them from from other clubs before a lot of teams really did it and, and, and taking a risk on those players and giving them a chance and in the end a lot of them didn't really fully work out unfortunately and maybe he he can be criticized for not mixing enough experience at, at the right times and obviously injuries as well played a factor in that but um I always respected that evolution to try and do something like that. The fact that Arsenal have always kind of been in the black. They've always never looked to go absolutely crazy in the transfer market like we see a lot of other teams like like Manchester United, like the money-rich teams like Manchester City and Chelsea, even to a degree Liverpool at times, and even Tottenham in in seasons, although that was obviously supplemented by... Mm. uh, by other means but um, he has a great amount of my respect. I, I think he's a, he's been a terrific manager and you, like you mentioned I think everyone will say it is a shame he probably should have gone last season really and realised how, how sort of um, toxic not only at the club it had got but how much of a it, everything seemed to be going against him. It, it, everything seemed to be slowly slipping away from him. He's maybe realised it a season too late but at the same time that that won't uh, really dim at how excellent he was and, and very quickly, Rich. Looking ahead to the future, one of the I want to mention one of the rumours really, with it being obviously a league and club and a big one at that in Paris Saint Germain. It's it's not the managerial role that's uh, possibly being touted, but a potential president's role. If that interests him, would that be a good move for the for the Parisians?
1: Uh, bringing him in in any form of capacity, I think would be an excellent move. Um, I think there's there's been rumours of, of of sporting director role as well with. Um, with Antero not not quite perhaps being overly keen on his role at the minute and the sort of conflict that he's facing with, um, you know, from above and below. So I think if PSG were were being clever about this, they'd be looking at bringing him in in a sporting director capacity, bringing in an, you know an exciting. I, I don't think you know without someone like Wenger, I don't think a manager or coach like Thomas Tuchel should be going for PSG. I think he would need someone like Wenger who could um be that stopgap between him and Al Khalifi because I think Al Khalifi at the minute has got too much power over that team too much influence over that team. Yes I get what role he's got but um he needs to be he needs to realize he's not a football man he's a businessman and he's obviously a very successful businessman but he's not a football man. So I think to bring someone like Wenger in who obviously lives and breathes football to a ridiculous level, um, I think can be a, an excellent stopgap. He gets on well with the Qataris. He's, he's, he's had history with them. Um, and I just think he would work very, really well with Tuchel. I think Tuchel could learn from him. Um, I think Tuchel will be able to talk to him, will be able to discuss things with him. Tuchel would almost be allowed to be focusing more on the coaching of the team um, and I think also the big thing that, that, that PSG lack is a, is a respect from players up to management, and having someone like Wenger around the club that only that is only going to breed respect. So, if you're PSG, for me that's a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, it does certainly feel like that, especially if he is possibly open to that but a a credit for him um, on a terrific uh, several decades at Arsenal really and and like you say Richard it's it's very unlikely that we'll see the likes of him uh, and in fact we mentioned it when Sir Alex left to Manchester United it's very likely unlikely in any kind of football really that we may see the likes of these kind of uh, great great managers staying for, for great periods of time as well with with elongated amounts of success as well uh, anytime soon. Uh, That's all that we have time for this evening. My thanks to Rich and all of you listening at home. Uh, We will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abiyanto and goodbye.